Okay, and we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. My name is Mike Winner, and I'm here, as always, with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the Smith River on the border of California and Oregon in the great state of Jefferson. We're uh, happy that summer has been kicking, the farm has been busy, and we um, are just having, a, actually, all things considered, a wonderful summer of growth. And um, we're really excited. We have our new Illumin line that's coming out shortly here, uh, probably within a week. So I know um, some of people have been really waiting on that. So thanks for your patience. And we're really excited about um, getting that out. If you are new to Alpha Vedic and would like to know more about us, you can just go to our website, alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. Today, we have uh, an exciting guest with us, Amanda Vollmer, somebody who has uh, been requested many times uh, since we did our um, uh, Bouchamp versus Pasteur series and uh, the germ theory stuff we cover. Um, she's been very vocal about this for a long time online and has really been a champion for common sense and natural healing and somebody we really resonate with. So we're really happy to have her on today and really excited for this conversation. Uh, Amanda Don Vollmer, BSc, or is she an herbalist or a Reiki master, holistic health practitioner, uh, degree of doctor of naturopathic medicine she has. Uh, Amanda holds a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Biotechnology from the University of Lethbridge in Alberta, Canada, and a degree of doctor of naturopathic medicine from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. Most of her life, she has taken an interest in botanical medicine self-educating on the topic many years before her formal medical training. Amanda has assisted many people and animals to heal all kinds of acute and chronic diseases from early to end stages successfully with holistic principles since 2008. She is the proprietor of Yum Naturals Emporium in Minden, Ontario. It's in Minden, correct, Amanda? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, where she supplies all natural solutions for detoxing and healing disease. She is a gardener and a wild crafter, creating powerful herbal blends, as well as developing all-natural botanically and uh, DMSO-infused body care, uh, cream salves, oils, etc., that are unique and extremely effective. She is the author of Healing with DMSO, the complete guide to safe and natural treatments for managing pain, inflammation, and other chronic ailments with dimethyl sulfoxide through Ulysses Press. We are so happy to have you on today, Amanda. How are you? Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi, Bear. Nice to be here. I really appreciate uh, the invite. And it's so nice to get requests. It's like special. It's like, <laughs> people are asking for me, for little old me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited to have this chat with you guys today. Yeah, we're, uh, we're so happy to have you on today. Uh, Bear, you're muted there, just so you know. Um, uh, go ahead. Jump in, Bear, but you're muted there, sir. There he is. So that's why you can't hear me. <laughs> no, you're a superstar. And uh, we're delighted to have you here. You know, you've been uh, very requested by our audience, and we all want to hear from you. You know, uh, you and I have a few parallels in our uh, professional history and background. And I'm always uh, interested, you know, when I talk to colleagues as far as what it was that drew you into the field of uh, medicine and then, and then uh, choosing, you know, to go things uh, about things a little different and what we loosely term holistic medicine these days. So how did you get started in all this in the first place? Well, I was really different from youth. I mean, when I was eight years old, I had a invisible friend with me who showed me about 
frequency and energy and chakras and I already knew about crystals and I knew how to communicate with animals and I knew all those things at a very young age. I was very creative. I was very imaginative. I loved to write children's stories. I loved to paint and draw and that sort of thing. So I was already fine tuned into the natural world. You know, I had like, I would talk with the moon. I would have communications with the sun and that, like, you know, I would listen to the babbling brook and I would hear what it was speaking. So I think that foundation, right? Uh, even though after a time I went into traditional systems and so forth. Um, but it only, I was going to actually go into art. I wanted to be an artist. I love doing portrait art. Um, I love doing all types of abstract art. <clears throat> but uh, what happened was um, I was basically told I wasn't going to be able to make money as an artist. I wonder how many artists have ever heard that. And I decided um, because of my love for animals, I would go into veterinary medicine. And that was a really big awakening for me because I didn't understand that they were so chemicalized, that the whole industry was just about drugs and surgery and these types of things. And I wanted to do it on a holistic front. And my mentor, he just encouraged me to go into naturopathic medicine because, <clears throat> excuse me, because he was saying, well, you know, at least you can learn holistic medicine formally, and then you can decide after if you want to do more animal health and, and that kind of thing. So I just got steered toward it because of this failed attempt at becoming a vet because they wanted nothing to do with a holistic vet, especially back then. Like I was a heretic. I was called a quack. I was like, <laughs> I was like a, this horrible person to even consider blending natural medicine with animal medicine. So that was like my, my dream sort of felt crushed. But then my mentor said, you should go to naturopathic college. And I'd already done my bachelor of science and I, I only did agricultural biotechnology. Like I did love chemistry, but I only did all of that because it was all the precursors to, to vet medicine. That was the only degree that matched. And then I have like a, a one course shy of a minor in acting because <laughs> I love doing creative arts and dance and all these sorts of things. So it, it, it helps me be more right-brained and left-brained at the same time. And I think that's what really makes a good holistic practitioner. You know, you have your intuition well, and all of those things and your science. Medicine was originally t intended uh, and practiced as an art form. And, uh, you know, real science, of course, is a blend, as you describe, of right and left, if you want to think of it that way. And, um, you know, I think what some of us are doing now is we're healing that, you know, or let's just say removing the veil between the heart and the mind so that we can unify and, you know, do true holistic medicine. I think holistic medicine these days, uh, you know, the way it's practiced is mostly just what I call green allopathy, where they're substituting, you know, things that are less toxic and, but it's still not really looking at the whole. Uh, and understanding that there is no separation. So you describe your early, uh, you know, self and, and uh, you know, I think people like yourself just come in wired a little bit differently where you can sit back and look at the patterns and appreciate the larger patterns. And then once you've been there, and if that's your natural inclination in the first place, it's really hard to, you know, uh, dive in and separate all the pieces and make believe like they're not connected like we're taught in medicine. And uh, even, you know, I went to naturopathic college too, a four-year naturopathic college after my, you know, conventional medical training. And even there, it was uh, the same textbooks I had at Stanford, you know, as far as just uh, losing the forest through the trees. So 
so good on you. And, and I really believe it's going to be people like yourself that, um, you know, will kind of usher in the new systems that people are craving now. And a lot of doctors are equally as frustrated because they're not able to get the results, uh, even though they've gone through all these schoolings and everything. So they're slow, but sure, uh, you know, I see a lot of MDs kind of, um, you know, coming over and, and uh, you know, really, uh, you know, asking us for schooling and direction. And so, uh, so fantastic. So um, I, I love your store in the background. I'd like to get a little tour of that before we're done today. But uh, please uh, go ahead, continue. Uh, you you've, uh, bring a lot to the table. So wherever you want to take this, there's current events. I know that you're uh, you know, really tapped into as far as your perspective on what's going on. So take your pick. Well, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I, you know, the, the right brain, left brain, I find really important. I do see a lot of people um, who have really lost touch with their intuition. They've really lost touch with their inside of themselves. Like they're not, they're not taking external information and sitting with it and contemplating. Nobody contemplates anymore. You know, I sit and I contemplate all the time. I put down the gadgets, I put down the stimulation, right? And I just sit and I contemplate things and I, I ruminate. And I don't see that. I think the culture has been socially engineered to either become completely isolated so that you always feel like you need a stimulation to feel worthy or to feel connect, some sort of false connection. Uh, but the result of that I'm noticing is the cult indoctrination, the programming can really get in, in, in there because they're not really taking a moment to reflect upon themselves. I'm seeing this a lot with the people just, you know, watching television, agreeing to whatever they're told, like obedient types, uh, wearing the masks, doing whatever, <clears throat> not doing the research, not looking at, at it, not even thinking about it. And that's part of the huge problem is there that everyone is so stimulated that they're not sitting and stopping and calming and thinking and going within and uh, using their intuition. Like maybe something's not quite right here. Maybe in the past there has been episodes where our governments have lied to us, just maybe. You know, maybe there have been false wars. Maybe they've used at some point in time a virus or a bacteria or a whatever that we can't verify to make us scared, to push politics. Why, why is that such a hard thing for people to think about. This is what I find quite fascinating about the psychology of this time frame, is that because I'm trying to understand, I really am, I'm trying to understand why still at this juncture, so long into this pandemic, that more people are still not snapping out of it and standing up and saying, I'm not wearing a mask anymore. Forget this. This is ridiculous. You know? And I think it's in part because they're not stopping the stimulation and they're not thinking. They're in lower hindbrain. They're in, you know, animal brain. They're not in higher functioning thinking. And they're definitely not blending the hemispheres. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, where's the heart-centeredness? Where's the love? Like I had a customer in here in a mask. First of all, I didn't recognize who he was. Uh, secondly, he was stoic. There was no, how are you doing, talking, niceties, whatever. You know, we've removed humanity so so easily from from people like these are not humans anymore they're like they're just automatons they're not even individuals anymore and it was so easy to give their freedoms up to this it was to me i've just been studying that a lot lately and just trying to get to the core understanding of why there are still so many 
following orders and believing their television ticker tape numbers that people make up out of thin air. And I mean, that's going to be on forever. They're going to keep those numbers forever. They actually think, they actually believe that once this genetically engineering vaccine that's going to um, alter our DNA, uh, that they, that that's it. Like, oh, it'll go back to normal. It's never going to go back to normal. This is the new normal. That's why they've been programming with those words. And I think they're going to be in for quite a shell shock when they realize that they're going to not only tell them they need one vaccine every year, just like the fraudulent flu vaccine that does nothing but hurt people. They're going to say there's like three. You're going to need multiples because, oh, we need boosters. It's not really taking, you know what? This virus, because they tell stories, they just make stuff up as they go along. Oh, you know, it mutates a lot. So that one might not have really worked. We should check your titers. Oh, it's not working. Let's give you another because they have, they're doing an experiment on people. So they're going to need them to come in and they're going to need to draw their blood and they're going to need to see if their piece of DNA or RNA that they're injecting into you took into the nucleus so they can find the ones that are being genetically modified because that's what they're doing. This is a huge human experiment. I just did a video this morning exposing that you know that there this is how it works this is how I, I have a degree in it okay like i literally have done genetically modified organisms in the lab that's what my undergrad degree is i know how dangerous it, dangerous it is and how random those pieces of dna can be put into the genome so there'll be lots of them lots of people who die or who are infertile from that experimentation but i'm sure they're looking for something quite specific because there'll be a marker you always put a marker in with your DNA to see if it lights up or whatever result you are trying to get from your experiment. This is what this is about. And many other things, financial reset, other opportunities, political opportunities. But it's so, um, to me, it's just so obvious. So, so this is what I find quite amazing about humanity at this time, that what maybe the, what's the percentage of people actually awake to it? 10, 15, 20, different in different countries, you know? How do we even know that? My entire town, when I went shopping the other day, I was the only one in that busy store that didn't have a mask, only me. And I felt like I was in a horror film. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Are you, yeah. I know your town, Mike, is a little more with the program. What about well, where you are? Uh, well, so Bear is, he lives right on the other side of the mountain for me in an off-grid community. So he's basically, like he'll come to my town sometimes to our post office, but he'll go into the little bigger town here, Crescent City, which is pretty like on the conservative red state side. So there's a political aspect to people not wearing masks, but also we find that it is definitely getting pushed harder and harder. And I've had run-ins at the store there as, you know, Bear has. So, I mean, it's everywhere. It's, it's all over the world. Um, uh, in my little town though, it's, I think a lot of it is even just people are like, we're so small and we're so out there. And there is some of that kind of uh, political aspect to it that people don't wear, but also people just are grounded in common sense here. And just like, this is silly. Like, there's nobody we know is sick. Why are we going to, it's 95 degrees out. Why am I going to suffer with a mask on right now? It just makes no sense. So, um, you know, and, and the other side that we, I do see sometimes with people in our little town is they're, they're fearful now of people from the cities that are bringing the disease. And I try to do my best to educate people on that because that's the flip side of it is 
um, you know, you have people in the rural areas that are now, um, you know, it's all the divide and conquer tactics, right? This psychological warfare going on. And so there's people in this town that are like, you know, posting on our Facebook, we have like a Facebook community group where they're like, you know, watch out for out of state plates coming through. There's more tourists right now. People are trying to get out of the cities to come camp, watch out for those plates. And it's like, no, no, let, let's embrace those people. Let's educate them. Let's welcome them. Let's, you know, at least they're like getting out of the Portland's and the San Francisco's right now to get some fresh air and, you know, enjoy some nature. Let's, let's all come together. And like, that's what I always try to do. I just walk around with a smile without a mask on and, and, and emit positivity. Um, but one thing you were saying, Amanda, that was is so on point is about or the lack of reflection, the lack of going inside, the lack of ruminating. I don't know if that word comes from roomy or whatnot, but, um. Exactly. Like um, one thing that happened to me on Friday is my phone went in the river too much, I guess, and I lot and it just stopped working. And so I was kind of over it. I was like, I'll replace it, whatever. So I had like a good five days without a smartphone. And uh, I was out, you know, I even get caught when I'm out doing work while I have my phone and I'll be listening to a podcast or I'll be listening to a book on, you know, on Audible or whatever, trying to stay up on everything. And I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of constantly stimulating myself more for searching for truth. But the last five days I was out working on a fence with nothing and just, as you're saying, ruminating and having internal dialogue with myself and really going deep on a lot of cool stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is like what humanity, humanity used to always do. <laughs> it's like, just like be in touch with nature, be in touch with ourselves and thinking about stuff. And I think that is something that's really frightening, especially with kids these days on these devices is that they just are totally untapped from our internal higher self, our internal dialogue. And so um, that is a, an amazing point, something we try to focus on a lot here and, and explaining to people is like meditating and, and kind of just, you know, having some alone time going out in nature, going for walks, because the, someone we talk about a lot, Walter Russell, was very, very kind of key on, on pushing this idea of really only truth is in the middle of the, of kind of the dichotomy of, of the mental plane, where really, you know, you're not going to get truth out there. You're only going to get truth in here. And so it's really important to do that work. And so, you know, nowadays people, I think, are trying to, to do some research because it's just so in your face. But what do they do? They run to Wikipedia. They run to Google. They run to all of the bias confirmation systems that are set up to keep them within these certain paradigms. And so it is just a trap. It's a trap. And so the only way to get out of that trap is, of course, finding yourself and getting centered. So... Yeah, you just you hit the head head on the nail on so many points there. And um, anyways, uh, so, yeah, go ahead, Barry. Amanda, um, sorry, Mike, did I jump in? No, no, no. Go ahead, please. Okay, sorry. I, I explained to these guys I have a voice lag, so it's kind of awkward sometimes. Um, so, Amanda, I'm just kind of curious. You know, you had your naturopathic experience a little bit later than mine, I was in naturopathic college. I made the transition from emergency medicine into that in the 70s. So I was in naturopathic college in the 70s. And uh, back then, you know, I was in a very truly progressive area, not progressive by today's standards, but, you know, liberal used to mean something different than it does today. It was north of San Francisco. And, um, you know, the whole culture was just about, uh, you know, enlightenment and, you know, moving humanity forward down the field. And uh, naturopathic college reflected that, you know, we had the same textbooks I, you know, used in conventional, uh, you know, medical school. Uh, 
and so you had to have that background. But as far as all the clinical experience and the different teachers in Asian medicine and homeopathy, you know, that I took, it was really about uh, departing from the old conventional reductionist scientific mindset. And it's so incredibly surrealis- uh, surrealistic now because I have that uh, kind of time-lapse uh, perspective of a few decades. And back then, we never could have dreamt seeing what's going on now. And I have uh, you know friends that are more recent graduates from naturopathic college, and they say, yeah, it's been pretty much standardized and, and become more allopathic-oriented. So what was your experience? <laughs> uh, was it? <laughs> How do I shrink yeah. that one down? Well, one yeah. thing I just wanted to say before what Mike was speaking to quickly was about uh-huh. rumination, and I believe that Latin word is about stomach and digestion. So to ruminate is like your stomach is actually digesting. So that's ah okay, great. Um, yeah, just wanted to, that was what I was thinking. We we're talking about, um, and then <laughs> I was always different my whole life. So no change in naturopathic college. You think I would have blended in, I did not blend in. I was still marginalized even in naturopathic college. <laughs> so uh, I was, I had recently been to California before I started and I had what's called a Kundalini awakening experience, um, which changed my outlook on life profoundly. Um, I, to the point where my fiance of nine and a half years, uh, we split because he was making fun of me that I saw that all things were God. And I said, but all things are God. I saw it. Everything is God and everything's interconnected and it's all one. And I was like so excited about it because when you have a spiritual awakening to that degree, it's like you just want to tell everybody because it's so exciting, right? Especially the ones you love. And then to be rejected based on that was just shattering to me. So that's really how I began school, just coming out of a very intense relationship. And uh, But I was still excited to start school. In my very first year... I met um, some really amazing people. And how I met them is I found out about Codex Alimentarius, which is part of the UN's Agenda 2030, Agenda 21, which I'd already learned all of that stuff. So I was, you know, this is old hat to me. I was born in the 70s, by the way. <laughs> you went to school <laughs> in the 70s. You're all bad here, aren't you? <laughs> I was born in the 70s. So um, anyway, but, but, what I noticed was that the naturopaths were not being vocal about us losing our natural medicine. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? This is our world. Like we need to stop this and no one would do anything about it. So I elected myself as naturopathic representative and I took my butt to Ottawa against Codex. And I I walked into that room and (laughs) there were some incredible people. Like I met uh, Dr. Carolyn Dean that day. I met Abram Hoffer. Um, I met uh, uh, Schaefer, Carl Schaefer, his wife. I met all the orthomolecular uh, people at that. And there happened to be a conference. It was 2015. It happened to be a, con- oh, sorry, did I say 2015? 2005. <laughs> yeah. And so here I am, first year, wet behind the ears, whatever. And now I'm starting to connect with all of these big names in the field, just out of the gate. A lot of people did not like that. 
in my like you have to somehow oh y'all put you in your place young whippersnapper hanging around with abraham hoffer and you know all these big wigs and stuff and meeting famous people and stuff it was just not cool and i was also very vocal in activism i was like handing out flyers at um at conventions at naturopathic conventions trying to wake up the naturopath saying hey like they're going to do npn numbers that's a slippery slope then health canada gets their mitts and all our medicine they can say what we can make what we can't make whatever i'm living it right now all of the products that i make i can't sell in canada i can only sell in the united states uk anywhere else i can't sell my oh, own really no i can't sell it in canada that's wild it's amazing and I tried to stop it. Nobody would, would do it. I even worked with a, a lawyer called Truman Tuck. So Carolyn Dean and I and Truman Tuck gave me all the, the Constitution, the Magna Carta, all the, I still have that binder that I presented to, then was the board of Naturopaths. Now, because I did that, I got on the blacklist. I got on the no-no list. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> like, don't we all just want to get along? Don't, aren't we all just the same? Like we care about health and people and you know truth and oh no 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 there was a there was a concerted effort to dumb down the naturopaths to take energy medicine out of the curriculum it already removed iridology did you learn iridology there uh personally i didn't get it as a formal curriculum so they'd already taken it out by then i guess well it wasn't in naturopathic college that <laughs> i went to anyway Okay, interesting. Or because I, I, I did chiropractic after because naturopathy wasn't recognized um, in California. So I went through chiropractic college, not because I wanted to be a chiropractor, but I just wanted a, you know, alternative license because my conventional certification wasn't good unless I worked in a hospital. So anyway, um, yeah, I didn't get it, but I studied it on my own. I see. Well, mm -hmm. long story short, that didn't go over so well. <laughs> with the board and by the time it came down to fourth year and how vocal i was and how active i was um they basically manipulated the situation so i could never get my license um i graduated but i could never be licensed and at that point you know what i don't want to be part of a, of a group of people that would on purpose destroy a new graduate from from naturopathic college and they became Kano. They turned into the College of Naturopathic, whatever, of Ontario, stupid name. Mm. Uh, but they used to be the board. So it's very confusing for people because they'll say, oh, you're not, you didn't go to college. I'm like, no, that's a, that's a, a college is a, a group of people. Okay. It's a cluster of people. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not a training college. It's a licensing body. And if you're licensed, see, this is why I'm free. This is why I can have conversations about the poisons of vaccines, which I have over 20 years of research about. Because if I'm a naturopath, I wouldn't be able to do that very vocally because I would get a slap on the wrist. You can't talk about that. We, it's not within our scope of practice to actually have a comment about vaccines. What a joke. I mean, probably 99% of the people that I help with their health are vaccine damaged. We can trace it right back yeah. to the very beginning of their health story and it all started with a vaccine right so but we're not allowed to talk about it okay no bye bye keep, uh, yeah. keep your license <laughs> i had the same experience and just a quick uh a little comment about this defined license it's actually giving you permission to do something that otherwise would be illegal and then you have to get into distinct
which I, I have. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I let all my licenses go a long time ago. It's just like, no, I don't need anybody's permission. No, it's begging. Actually, when you apply to anything, you are a, you are begging. So what you're doing is you're saying you have a higher authority than me. So I have to beg to you in order to speak and be and do what the the rules are for you. So I'm applying. I'm begging to be in your system, and I don't beg to be in anybody's system. And there's no higher authority other than God. So we're all the same level. These baboons that are in these licensing bodies that are high on power and, and telling people what to do, these bullies, I'm sorry, but that's just not where we're headed as a spirit being, right? So it's allowed me a certain level of freedom. It's obviously uh, restricted my scope of practice, which is upsetting to me because I really loved um, IV therapy. I, did, I was trained in that. I, I love doing acupuncture which I'm no longer able to do. Um, so there's some things that I've lost, but I can consult. I can, um, I can be a health coach. I can tell, you know, mostly I tell them to take off the drugs. <laughs> Here's how you get off the meds that are poisoning you and suppressing your symptoms. Here's how you get your nutrition to where it needs to be. So your body will naturally, your healing mechanisms will, you know, come on to the stage. And here's how you detox and get the rest of the poisons out of your body. And nine times out of 10 or even higher, that's how people heal. Yeah. And sometimes you'll have some blockages or complications. You know, maybe that's an emotional thing or there's something convoluted or the crazy thing is all these people talking about, oh, the scary virus, scary virus. And most of them, including the MDs, are clueless about the level of parasite infestations in people. I can't, it's so, it, it's like an upside down world. Like, I clear parasites out of people constantly. They're full of parasites. <laughs> like, they, well, and, and what's funny is the very people that are controlling the doctors are the parasites too. Yeah. So, you know, so the parasites are on many, many levels in this reality. Many levels, many levels. But to wholeheartedly- And the parasites- Say again? I was just saying the parasites are opportunistic. It's not like, you know, yeah. they're the bad guys out in nature. They're just, so it's just- you know, you understand terrain theory. Uh, one quick comment about everything you're saying, well, I can't practice acupuncture. And, but what's wonderful is we're entering into a whole new domain where everything's about frequencies and how they're going to control that. For instance, if, if I want to do uh, acupuncture, I, you know, I, I still use some needles, but, you know, I really prefer using tuning forks and, nice. and you know, uh, things like that. So they can't regulate that. You know, how are they going to say it's, uh, you know, illegal to you know, to do this and hold it on a point somewhere. So, you know, there's always an end around. And then also what we did, we had a thriving international practice and we just had it on private property. It was a huge clinic and a multidisciplinary and entire staff, but we never hung our shingle in a commercial zone. So everybody that came in from afar to see us for our services, it was a private contract between consenting adults. So, you know, we don't need their system. We don't need no stinking licenses. Exactly. That's, that's perfect. And that's what I'm building to do. And that's also why this is my home and my, you know, my business both. And it's, it's always going to be between the public and the private. So you always keep all these things in the private. I make a lot of, you know, products that are private as well. So people just volunteer some money as an exchange, but I'm not selling it. So no. I can supply things, but not sell them because the second you sell it, 
in charge of tax or whatever, then that's in the public domain. But I do yeah. things in the private domain and don't make claims and don't, I mean, and, you know, all the things that people do that get themselves in trouble. You don't do those things. And it's interesting you show the tuning forks because I've been starting to play around more with that. And I just got a whole nother set of tuning forks and I've been, you know, seeing what does what. So I'm really fascinated by that because I do a lot of energy work. I mean, I've some of the earlier modalities I was trained in were all hands-on healing types of modalities using different frequencies. And, um, and I find that to be some of the most powerful healing ever, uh, even at a distance. That's amazing. Yeah, even at a distance. So, you know, there's more to this world than what meets the eye. And uh, space and time is not what we've been told it is. I mean, I have a Rife machine. I can take someone's fingernail and put it in the Rife machine, and they get the frequency in that moment just from the DNA resonance, right? From the non-locality principle. So that means it's a spin thing that's instantaneous. There's no, it's not traveling to you. It's a resonance field, right? And that's why I love the tuning fork stuff now because we're building resonance. So if you want to put your, your fields back in place, you can retune them so you get harmonic resonance and you beef them up again, right? And uh, it's very powerful. It's uh, greatly underused for holistic practitioners. So, so good on you. I yeah. love that. The, the main instrument I use these days, along with a lot of other lab techniques that tell me, you know, kind of triangulate and give you the same information from a different perspective, but it's a dual impedance antenna and it allows us to go right to the, uh, the primal waveforms that are putting, uh, you know, everything that we think of as biology and emotion in the first place. So once you really wrap your mind around those things, and I know you understand this, then when you're treating, uh, you know, even with herbal medicines and things, if you're, you know, applying it to symptoms rather than those primal waveforms, then, you know, you're back into the same old box and back mm -hmm. in the green allopathy, really. Yeah. And, you know, the wonderful thing too about, uh, you know, you mentioned, well, people get, in trouble these days by making wild claims. Well, when you really get your head on straight, uh, you don't have to make wild claims about curing disease because you know disease doesn't exist in nature in the first place. You're not treating disease ever. So there's nothing to make claims about. Yeah, that's how Mark Grennan just got in big trouble in his family who was mm -hmm. making MMS out in BC. And then he was in Colombia and he you know, got arrested in Colombia. That's not the place you want to get arrested in. Um, and because what was he saying publicly? He's saying that MMS is a cure for COVID. I mean, so many mistakes, like there's no COVID. <laughs> there's nothing to cure, <laughs> okay? So, and MMS doesn't cure that. MMS allows the body's electrons to, it gives electrons into the system. It re-energizes the system so it can cope. So that's how you would speak if you were being really genuinely honest. So there's mistakes there, right? And they, you can't use the word cure and make these claims. They'll, they'll, they'll attack you like we see. So again, there's errors. So yeah, once you, and anyway, oh, word of mouth. I don't have to do anything at this point. I've had so many cured cases, <laughs> people who have resolved their issues, um, that then they tell their friend and they tell their friend, you don't need even advertising if you know what you're doing. So that's the difference of someone who's genuine and is not out to just sell you something or whatever, la, la, la. When you're doing it from a place of this is my passion, my purpose, this is when I get up every day and, get, and ask God to infuse me with truth and what I'm supposed to do today and what's the appropriate action, and then I take that appropriate action, then you're protected. And a lot of people are so afraid all the time, but fear vibration is very low. 
And it will actually, what you fear, you draw near. And, and if you're in fear, you'll create all kinds of terrible things. And if it's okay to feel it for a moment, but then you transcend it and go, oh, I'm feeling fear. I wonder why. That's the contemplation. What's that about? Why would I be, am I, are my kidneys out of whack? So that why I'm feeling fear? Is my heart in, in, in balance? Is that what it is? Like, am I not speaking my truth? Am I not feeling X, Y, Z or my hormones a mess? Whatever, but right? People don't do that. They just live, they just keep festering in the energy. And that's why I like tuning forks and Reiki and all of these sorts of things, homeopathy, things that will help to retune the, the, the energy because it'll descend into the physical. The energy is the, the first thing. And then as it gets denser and denser and more condensed, then we have the, the, the slow light, the, the form that we're seeing, which is still moving. But the way the eye sees it, it's just like slow light. <clears throat> and that's how you heal from that way. <laughs> but if you want to do it the, the real slow and dirty way, and some people do, you got to work with where they're at. If they need green allopathy for a little bit just to get off the meds, fine, fine. I've done it a few times. I tell them what I'm doing. though. I'm like, okay, we'll do a little substitution here for a minute, okay? Just so you feel safe. <laughs> so I'll hold your hand a little, and then we're going to get to the real you know, healing, because it then it builds trust, and then it, they feel a little bit better, and then they are able to take those steps, because you got to meet people where they're at, or they just won't do it at all, so it's interesting how the practice evolves, because now I attract people who they just want it now, they're just ready, they go all in, they're like, get this, I'm done, they've been to, you know, I'm sure you've heard the story, been to every doctor, every practitioner, and only in the past maybe three years, I, I get the stories, like it's usually MDs and specialists that have let them down, or surgeons, or dentists, but now, or vets, <laughs> but now I'm getting NDs. Now they're saying, my ND let me down. And I'm and repeated, they would go to multiple NDs and not get resolved. And that was really upsetting for me to hear because to me, when I was in it, it was like, this is it, we got it. We're gonna, we're nature doctors. We're gonna get this sorted out i was so excited about that and then to see it systematically get you know death by a thousand cutted was just i was trying to sound the alarm i feel like i've been always trying to sound the alarm <laughs> like paul revere like they're coming <laughs> right but i guess this is just how intense it needs to get for people to wake up it needs to get bizarre it needs to get convoluted it needs to make no sense for people to go, wait a second. Something's off yeah. about this story, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, people usually make the change when they're feeling enough pain and you don't want to see that happen. But, you know, nobody was in my past saving me from creating the pain in my life. I just had to deal with it and learn from it. So I think that's where we're all, you know, at again right now. Um, and, you know, what you mentioned is the artistic side of medicine, being able to sit back and not impose your belief system on a person, but understanding that a belief system comprises real electrical vectors that create consequences in the, the matrix, if you will. So it's, it's real and their belief system is real 
to them. So that's the first lesson I had to learn, you know, years ago in medicine is I had all these ideas about where I thought they should be or what they should be be doing, but you know, it doesn't work like that. And uh, you know, if they were on meds and things that I know darn well were detrimental, then, you know, when it came time for them to actually request getting off, not by me, you know, uh, prodding them to, then we would do it in a very gradual manner. We'd, uh, you know, wean them off over months. And, and even when we're down to little minuscule amounts of the drugs, then I'd make a homeopathic solution and, you know, go the next level just to, so that it was just a, a transition that was completely painless. But then also, more importantly, allowed their belief system to catch up with the new paradigm that, you know, on another level, you know, they were being led to. And, uh, you know, as far as cure, I, my always saying with people was, you know, God cures and I collect. Um, and I believe my role as a doctor was, you know, of course, I can't cure a person. I've never cured a person. Uh, but my job was to just maybe extend that window of opportunity for the light bulbs to come on because I saw a lot of people in my day that were all diagnosed terminal. So uh, that was my job, you know, and then and, and get them in alignment in many ways, including biologically, so they could, you know, make that transition with ease and make it in the nick of time sometimes because people would usually arrive on our doorstep and not too good a shape. Yeah. And to inspire them and to tell and to undo some of the conditioning that their doctors will tell them because the doctors will say, you're going to die if you don't do this. Um, you're going to die in three or four months. So obviously they have a crystal ball in their offices so they can like scry and, and, and give those diagnoses to people. So they'll come in and say, oh, if I don't, within six months is going to happen to me. I'm like, oh, your, doc you know, your doctor's clairvoyant. Wow, that's really cool. Um, but, you know, to just demystify some of these beliefs and they and detach them from the disease, what they've been told, like they get really get really embroiled in the labeling and the tests and all of this stuff. And they get very attached to the disease. Like it's become them. They have ego identified with it. Um, so I find I undo a lot of that and I help unravel that for them. And then, and then after I'll just infuse them with inspiration and then help them to come to their own empowerment. Because then when they start healing, because they made a decision to do what I just present stuff and they, and they'll maybe I will do that. And I said, and I give them the option. You could start here or you could start there. You know, you choose and you decide how at your pace. And it gives the power back to them that they can say, yeah, okay, today I'll do the magnesium and then tomorrow I'll do the vitamin D. And then I'll I'll work on the little, you know, spot of my diet or whatever, or maybe I'll do an enema or whatever. And it it's theirs though. They own it. And that's the huge healing comes from that because. And then they get skill sets for life and on and on, right? So that's really, to me, the mark of a good healer. And again, you're right. You, you don't heal or cure anything. It's their own work before them. And we don't want to take their lessons away. We don't want to just, I did this at the beginning. I made huge mistakes at the beginning. I just whisked away. That's, oh, you're sick. Whoosh, it's gone now. Look. And I realized that because of that, I made bad, you know, karma probably on myself. And I ended up actually as an empath taking on a lot of their disease states into my own body. Mm. I'm like, why am I all of a sudden, you know, feeling all these symptoms that they had? And it was because I took it away and they were supposed to learn something through that process. So that helped me temper and help them decide 
rather than my ego getting all wrapped up in it. So it's, it's the process. And that's why, that's why doctors don't live as long traditionally as regular folks, because, yeah, I remember early on in practice, just uh, coming home wallop sometimes just from that one person. I'd see 30 people in a day and that one person I'd take home with me and, you know, just exhausted and, make you not want to do it the next day. In uh, New German medicine, you're talking about, um, you know, people getting a diagnosis and then going downhill shortly after getting that. In New German medicine, we call that a uh, diagnosis conflict. And uh, Dr. Homer, um, uh, who is a uh, you know, innovator of new German medicine demonstrated on many, many thousands of CAT scans, how that diagnosis conflict would create an insult in the psyche that then would register on the brain that you could see on a CAT scan. And that part on the brain would coincide with, uh, an, an area in the body with the, that would then usually grow something, you know, and then or create some other kind of problem. But then the doctors, you know, the conventional doctor says, oh, my God, it's metastasizing and uh, not realizing at all that their diagnosis is the thing that created the uh, metastasis in the first place. So it's uh, boy, we, we couldn't be more in the dark as far as I think medicine of all types now. So uh we're coming around the bend, and I think we're we're working our way out of it. But like we're saying, I think it's going to take a little bit of discomfort to get more of the masses on board with the reality. Yeah, absolutely. And how powerful that is to understand that how how strong your mind and your thinking is in what it does to the body. Right? We underestimate the emotional field and the mental field in again, what happens physically to us. And uh, it's not complete if you don't address those areas of the body. And I've studied German new medicine quite a bit because of the same reason, just trying to understand uh, all of these layers, especially dealing with some complex disease states or dis-ease states, um, certain types of cancers and things and where they began. Because for me, I'm always curious about the root cause of what, what began this whole thing i'll always t listen to like opposite of what mds do they don't listen at all they might not even look at their patient i look i study i listen you get you get smells you get sensations you get all kinds of feedback but where they are you don't even need tests if you know how to look at someone see their skin color you know figure out if they're they make excess or they make tumors or growths or moles or whatever or they're in deficiency they make you know ulcers and break down things and whatever and they're in those sense those situations then automatically you, 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 you narrowed down the organ systems involved, what type of situation they're in, their common probably nutritional deficiencies, and then, and then let them tell their story and let them be heard for the first time, a lot of them. They never, the doctor doesn't ask them, well, what do you think caused it? Or what do you think happened in your life to, like you said, seven years ago, this thing happened. Well, tell, take me back to seven years ago. What was going on, right? And you'll a lot of the time see something like, well, I got a vaccine or, I had a trauma, you know, or my dad died or my mom died or, or, or something <laughs> like, like that. And you go, okay, well, now we're getting to root cause. Let's, let's uh, talk more about it or let's uncover it and let's see where you are now with it. You know, have you just let it bury over time or did you actually resolve it? Right. And most of the times they haven't. And so understanding that power of the, of the mind, I mean, that they've, that they're able to actually tell someone something so strong and they'll believe it that's what we're seeing now the 
TV has told them, right, that it's contagious and it's this and that. I remember when I still believed in contagion, I would catch things from people. And I would forget that I was an empath and I'm catching like tumors from people. <laughs> you know, I'm catching, I'm catching knee pain from people, right? So that doesn't make sense. So that means what, what's happening here is also my mind. And when people, when I stopped believing in contagion, as I was, I'm coming across people all the time that are ill, I stopped getting what they got. I stopped taking it and doesn't matter the exposures, you know, they did experiments to try in a, the time of the Spanish flu, they took, you know, mucus out of the patients. They put them right into healthy subjects. They had them breathing into each other's mouths and gross stuff and nobody got sick. You know, they're just, they, it's a mind control factor of contagion. It's a belief system. It's a superstition. They'll say, oh, well, my, when I got it, my so-and-so got it and this so-and-so got it, whatever. I said, but could you maybe think for a second there might be another rationale or another reason as to why all of your family members got sick at the same time with sort of similar things? Maybe they eat similarly. Maybe they behave similarly. Maybe they have all had a same, similar emotional situation happen. Maybe their house is toxic and they all got triggered into a detox similarly, you know? There's lots of reasoning for that, and but it's just discarded. It's not even part of the dis, the discourse, right? And and because the TV told them so, right? It's one of the most dangerous things to me that's ever been created is the television. Uh, there there is a patent on how to use the frequency of television to hypnotize and to give subliminal uh, messages, and that was what back in late 70s or something that tech I mean they did a lot of that stuff between the 50s into the from the 50s into the 70s with like a lot of mind control and uh, all really creepy experiments on people and de you know sleep deprivation and all this LSD experiments and how they can control the mind they they did that for like 20 years so I think they figured a lot out <laughs> about how to manipulate people's thinking and they have the tech to put behind the television that flicker rate to get it to soak right in and people yet they still submit to it i can only imagine how sophisticated the patents have gotten now on that tech and beyond and they don't aren't of their own minds and this is what we're seeing like full-scale zombie apocalypse happening right outside you know yeah they have technology that goes direct to skull um with targeted individuals we call them ti's to the point where they even had a whole rally in Sacramento uh, two years ago, the thousand people there who are targeted individuals that they've been doing these experiments on where they're literally hearing voices in their head and they're, they can't understand why and they're just randomly choosing people to test this on. So we know that they've taken this technology that goes back to the 40s, the 30s really, um, with um, you know from, the, from deep, deep down in the military industrial complex and they're just randomly testing this on people. And we're seeing it now with just the chaos of the zombies. So it's way beyond the television now, unfortunately, with everything that they have. So yeah, it's, um, it's crazy. But also, as you're saying, I think uh, it's fracturing right now because there's just so much that people are seeing right now. Um, at least that's what we're seeing. I, I'm starting to see people just starting to slowly wake up. So Anyways, uh, the skull, the, the, the voice to skull technology is crazy though. It's like, wow, what next? You know, like the, the war on nature has just gotten so dire. Um, but nature always fights back, always finds a way. Um, go ahead, Bear. 
Um, yeah, I don't think nature has to fight back or <laughs> resist anything more like fleas on a dog's back. And that's not to make ourselves insignificant, but there are larger patterns in the universe. And of course, our job is to observe them and mimic them and then, you know, uh, uh, conduct our thought patterns in a similar fashion because this is a thought-based universe thought is the only real thing it's the only thing that creates those electrical vectors that then nuance into every facet of our uh, of our existence um you know you're talking amanda about just getting to know the personality of a person and uh you know that could maybe segue us into some good uh, ideas or a discussion about good plant medicine because when i um you know employ botanical remedies i'm not going through a list in my mind of, of the monogram of that particular herb and all of its indications and contraindications and what it's good for, but more looking at the personality of the plant. And uh, what's wonderful is when you recognize those archetypes in an individual that you're working with, then if you know your herbology from a different perspective, then you know you, you look at the plant that's going to match up the personalities and and create that compatibility to bring that person back into a state of balance. So, uh, and I, I kind of have a hunch you look at things the same way there. Would you like to talk about that at all? Yeah, sure. I, that's one of my favorite things to do. And actually I, I created a little, I have a small space, which I, I'm going to have to buy another property soon because I'm just expanding beyond my, my means here. But I created at least a small sampler of, a bunch of herbs in a little dispensary because I loved the excitement of meeting someone and doing exactly that, where I could pull this herb and pull that herb and make a synergy like an alchemist would do. And, and that's perfect for them. Now I do make blends that are more general, right? Sort of monography, but not, not only that is when you do, I do a lot of wild crafting, which means responsible plant harvesting. Um, and when I, when I go to the plant, I always communicate with and I thank it, obviously, when I remove the medicine and I ask for, you know, the, I won't uh, cut or disturb something if there's a bee on it or if there's, if it's occupied, then I don't, I don't remove it. And um, actually, I make sure that it flourishes. So year after year, when I come back, the plants are flourishing and happy and expanding because that's a proper way, proper method. You don't just cut it and take it. Um, so that's responsible. But then also I use doctrine of signatures a lot where I'm like, I can see that that plant does that system. I can tell. Maybe it's not a top uh, uh, description in the monograph, but I can see <laughs> by its form that that's what it would support. And then there are different things, whether you're doing flowers or berries or roots or stems or leaves, and those also have different characteristics. So I, I, it is quite, it's fun. It's fun to do that. I love doing that with homeopathics as well. It's like another layer of that, right? Like, like I, I had one case that's like two, I've never in my life had something so blatant in my face as this one case I had in my fourth clinic, in clinic year of naturopathic college. This woman came in, in a, she was wearing a striped a yellow and black sweater and black slacks. And she came in and she was like sitting like this, like she couldn't sit still. And I said, oh my goodness, like, please tell me what's going on. She's like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I'm like, well, why can't you sleep? She's like, I'm just busy, busy, busy all day long. <laughs> I'm like, this woman is like a bee. Okay. She is a bee on every level. 
I'm like, I don't even need to hear anything else. I am going to give her homeopathic apis, which is the honeybee, right? I knew, and I had to actually fight my supervisor on that. I had to fight her on it. And I had to go against her on it and say, here, here, take it. This is what you're going to do. And when she came back a week later, she sat in the chair like this. I said, oh, you look better. Oh, I'm sleeping like a baby. Um, everything's just wonderful. You know, she was dressed in different colors. I'm like, well, that worked, right? And this was just from one dose and changed nothing else in one week later. And she said, as soon as she took the first dose, she went to sleep. She had a really good healing sleep. And she woke up and she just felt really great. And she just did the things she needed to do. And she's been sleeping well ever since. One dose of homeopathy. So it's not placebo. I didn't tell her what it is because we always did blind remedies, right? So they don't look it up and make all Michigan on their heads. And, you know, you could do it with babies. You could do it with animals. Same thing. I had an experience of my cat before I believed in homeopathy where she got a sting on her face and her eye was all swelling. I was all freaking out. So I ran to the Marsden's uh, place, which was down the street where I was volunteering. They were, they were my mentors. I said, ah, and she's like, ah, apis, here you go. So it was another apis healing. And I gave it to my cat and I literally watched her eye shrink back to normal in front of my own eyes, right? The cat didn't know what I did or anything. So these people who attack these beautiful, you know, remedies and knowledge, they're just, it's just ignorance. It's just hate or, or it's from coming from the pharma comp competition to make sure that we don't have it available or that people judge it or whatever right but it, these are it, the most successful <clears throat> remedies can you explain apis for our community or for people listening that might not know what that means so homeopathic apis is homeopathic honeybee it's a bee so they take a bee that's died from natural causes they don't they don't kill the bee and they use it in a mother they make a mother tincture of that in alcohol and uh usually alcohol or alcohol and water and then you succuss it, and the succussing <laughs> used to be done by Hahnemann on a leather-bound book. So you get a good old Bible out, and you succuss it. And that action jolts the remedy into a memory with the waters and the salts of the, so it's electrically charging it. And that memory, then, you take a drop out of that, and you put that in either 99 drops of water or uh, or 999 drops of water or nine drops of water, whatever, your, whatever potency you're working on. And you keep doing that until you get the desired dilution and each time you succuss it all the way through. And after you've done 30 rounds at say one drop in 99 drops, you go past what's called Avogadro's number. So there's literally no actual molecule of the original substance left by that point. It's just vibrational. And as you go more dilute, it actually gets in a more, uh, the frequency changes to the point where it actually gets more to different realms. So like if you do a 200, oftentimes we give it for say an emotional imbalance. So it'll touch a finer realm, right? But it's more powerful in a sense. And then if we need a 1M, which is like a 1000th rem remedy, that's for the delusional state where they're just really, the mind is in complete delusion, right? And on and on. So that particular remedy is for things. What, what do you get when you get a bee sting? You get hot, red, sudden swelling, right? Pain of swollen. You can't put pressure on it. It hurts to put pressure on it. Um, some of the remedies are right-sided versus left-sided. Better cool. There's worse and better things that you can look for. And it's easy. Like you can easily 
say, say whatever happens, say you sprained your ankle. Go into a search and say homeopathy for sprained ankle. And you'll get a list of different remedies. And then go through them and read which one makes most sense to you. What's, how are you presenting? What's the emotional state? You know, which side is it? Is it better or worse for these and those things? And then you can go buy the remedy yourself. You're not going to hurt yourself with it. The only rule is you don't overdo it. You don't need as much. You take maybe once or maybe three times. You don't keep taking it because that's how you prove it. And that's how they know what the remedy does. They have proving parties of healthy subjects that take the remedy over and over again until it makes the symptoms. And they catalog those. And that's in, in the Materia Medica and in, in the, uh, the uh, whatchamacallits, the rubrics. Mm -hmm. And those become how you look up what the thing does. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it is science. It's like pure witness of science. So uh, it's... it's, it's it, it. Mike, go ahead. Oh, I just had a quick question. Any recommendations on where to get Apis Malefica? Uh, well, what's happened actually, one of the companies I carry, like there are, I have Apis on my website, yumnaturals.com. Um, but I carry it from Unda right now, but Unda, because there's been such an attack on homeopathy, Unda stopped making single remedies. They're only making their Unda number combinations uh, their drainage remedies. They're not doing single remedies anymore, so I can't even, won't be able to buy them. So Boyron is another uh, company that makes homeopathic. Martin and Pleasance is another. But, but you can see what's happening, the pressure on these companies, that the more difficulties they are being given by all kinds of systems to mm -hmm. just not be able to function. And, At some point, you just give up. Right? Do you still have a heel in Canada? Because in the States here, they've pretty much done away with it unless you have a medical license yeah do i i think i have some heal i haven't looked at it lately just because i was comfortable with unda i'll look into it again i thought heal pulled out of canada as well because the npn numbering system uh they made something called Tramiel, and i'm pretty sure we can't get yeah. that anymore so i think it's the same yeah. thing i like the I like to heal injectables. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they come in handy. I was just back there. You saw me fishing around in my cabinet. I have apis in an injectable back there. Nice. Um, Guna, I like. They have their cytokine and interleukin products. And, you know, they make a lot of good things. But you're right. They do a lot of complexes rather than singles. You know, mm -hmm. when you're looking, what you were explaining, um, going back to waveform mechanics, you know, our bodies are a composite of electrical vectors. But then that creates a stratification a continuum of stratified informational fields, we'll say, and depending how far down the apex in one direction you get, the more crystallized things are, you know, in what we would consider, you know, a physical medium. And the more we're fixated mentally on that as reality, then the more crystallized they are. So when you're, um, you know, selecting remedies, uh, whether it's a a straight herbal remedy or or whether you're looking at different potencies of homeopathy then the trick of course is to get into that level that really needs to move on that person and uh, so anyway my comment is just uh, you know for people a lot of people that aren't accustomed to this kind of medicine uh, all of these things have a time and a place it's not that homeopathy is better than herbal medicine or vice versa or one uh, you know potency is better it's just it's again, going into the artistic side of medicine to know uh, what area needs to move. And literally, you're going into octaves. 
and tonal fields within octaves, and then you get the remedy that's going to do the job there. Yes. Uh, and that I, sounds really left brain, but it really isn't. I, I have a question. Um, when we're talking about everything being these informational fields and how that's really how homeopathy is kind of working, it's integrating these, um, these messages from the plants and, and, you know, on a higher level, right? These, these frequencies. As someone who has, keeps bees myself, has a small apiary, a couple hives, and somebody who's trying to grow more herbs, do we even need to ingest these things in a time if we're elevated enough and we're really in tune with our bees or with growing these plants, these herbs, can we have that dialogue without even interjecting it into our biology? I think if you're pure and, and uh, clear enough, you can just invite the remedy. I've done it many times. I just mm -hmm. invite the frequency of the remedy into my body. I use a lot of light. I find that very effective where I just uh, cycle through different lights. So say, um, I have pain anywhere in my body or something that happened or I'm upset about something or whatever, then I will um, sit and I will um, invite light into that area and infuse it with light. And again, we're talking about color therapy, which was interestingly enough with Dr. McNaughton, he was my very first, 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 first book I ever read on healing pretty much anything like energy healing. Um, and he, what he did is he would do color overlays, like basically just color sheets and put that on people. Um, and he was getting really amazing results doing that. And he also used um, different machines where they're not even plugged in. They're just, uh, you know, you, you rub on the pad and then you get sort of frequencies and numbers from your intuition. And then you're able to charge whatever that frequency you come to, you can charge that into a remedy and give it to the patient. So wow. that's like that, we don't even need the heart, the, these things, these physical things, yeah. we can feel like that. But the, the issue is that we're not, as a whole, we're not quite there. I mean, most people, if they don't have a pill in a bottle, like, forget it, right? So, like I said, you have to start where people are ready to start. A lot of people aren't even ready to start with diet. I mean, I sometimes I just have to get them switched over into just some, just getting their nutrition up through a supplement. And then they're ready. Then they can cope because imagine they can't think, they're in pain, they're not sleeping, they're not pooping, like all this stuff, right? You got to get them functioning first before you ask them to go shopping at different places to change their entire habits of their day-to-day -to, -day, to learn how to prep foods and, and, and juice and like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or they won't do it. So again, you have to start where people, have, I get people that are like, they just want the Reiki or they just want the, the right frequencies or they just want the, you know, the, the energy, the, the tuning forks, the whatever, or send them light. Like I even sent my cat, my cat one time, my other cat got in a cat fight and got scratched and this, the scratch became uh, infested and uh, was quite, it was quite large. Um, I could see it was very pus filled and everything. Would not let me go near him, would not let me touch him, would not let me apply anything. Um, and all I did was put my hand, he let me come near I just put my hand like this and I first sent pink light to increase the vibratory rate to add heat, but not red, just pink. Then I sent the next step down, which was green. So it still had some warmth in it that was cooling and was healing. And then I closed off with blue where I cooled everything down. Yes. And within two minutes of me finishing that, it burst open and completely drained and healed within two days. Yep. So, yeah. Wow. Amazing. Right. Um, 
a good uh, place for people at home to start. This is one of the first uh, gentlemen uh, out there that um, Darius Dinshaw. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so people can get this book uh, and actually use this at home. He's one of the first guys that really got into the color therapy. What's his name again? And um, Can you read that, Darius Dinshaw? Darius Dinshaw. Oh, yes. Yeah. So anyway, I just hold that up because people can start experimenting themselves. And if you look in the book, he has all sorts of formulas as far as what color gels to use for different, uh, you know, kind of issues and so gels, forth. That's, it. that's the same uh, as what I really like. I have an instrument and, and Amanda, this is another way to get around needles. And I'm sure you're aware of all this, but I have an instrument that projects uh, uh, pinpoint lights that I can use for acupuncture points. And then I use uh, different gels to project uh, colors in the acupuncture points. So okay. um, color is something I've uh, really loved. You know, we had a sound room. I worked with uh, Sherry Edwards back in the 90s before she really developed her work to the next level. And we're going to be uh, hopefully teaching it on the property here. We're constructing a, a sound room building and everything. But anyway, um, uh, she came out to Hawaii where our clinic was and helped me uh, do our first sound room. So not only could we test, uh, you know, people's voices and get the missing frequencies and deliver those with a sound generator, but we also had a bank of lights. And then uh, it, those lights, uh, I had machined uh, different apertures that would create different geometric shapes and uh, be able to... Uh, you know, project the colors and the right geometry in different points. And, and then we'd have that, the sound going through a grid that was in their body with uh, acupuncture point. Anyway, um, it was, it was kind of neat. So we're constructing a, another setup like that here, but going to the next level because that's, you know, what we figured out like 30 years ago or something. So we've got a lot more information now to work with, but people would be amazed if they knew what was already available to them right now. And as far as delivering frequencies, homeopathy, you know, we can use our little antennas and project a homeopathic remedy by way of the DNA in somebody's blood. People send me, you know, blood samples and we can just send those frequencies anywhere and uh, get an instant reaction from it. Yeah. And when you're working, and I know you know this, when you're working with other people and you just pick up that remedy, you know, to give to somebody else, uh, you know, I get an instant uh, proving in myself just holding the bottle. Yeah, that's right. So they're powerful. And it's yeah, just a matter of how receptive you are. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people, they'll block their healing. And then, then that's why if it doesn't take or it's not working, then you have to ask some questions about why they're doing that you know what is the block or what is the the other underlying issue that wasn't addressed uh, or why are they denying something in themselves because a lot of people have uh, self-worth issues and self-love issues and these sort of types of things and usually you just go digging a little bit further to see what that is to encourage them to do that work and give them some tools into actually what to do because a lot of people they I think they'll do it. They're just not sure how, what's, what's the first step, right? Um, I give a lot of resources to people on how to, you know, if they have an unresolved relationship, then you can do a soul to soul talk. You can talk to them inside your head <laughs> to their soul and, and have a conversation. And I've had many people, I used to teach Reiki, angelic Reiki specifically. 
Uh, and uh, when I was doing that, I would talk to them and about doing this exercise, just find one person that you'd had a relationship foible with and that you could clear by having this soul to soul talk with them. And I remember this one case where she, when she first came in the first day, she was a mess. She was, she just looked like she rolled out of bed and came to, you know, came to the place and she was really easily upset and so forth. And she was having a huge problem with her father and she couldn't talk to her father directly. It just ended up in a fight. So I taught, we all kind of rallied around her and we supported her and just said, why don't you try this and we'll be here for you and come back tomorrow and we'll see. And that, and I also told her about using water to clear the fields. And when you, when you shower, imagine the water actually washing your energy fields, like invite it to do so. And so she, when she came back the next day, she was in makeup. She looked awesome. She was all together. She was happy. She had a pep to her step. And I said, what? We are all like, what happened? And she said she got home and she went in the shower right away. And she said she was in the shower for like three hours <laughs> and she just kept asking for it to balance her. And then she did the soul to soul talk with her dad and all of this stuff came out. And then after she did that and she got in her robe and she went downstairs to get some food, he came up to her and he apologized wow. for the behavior and everything wow. he had done in the past and they hugged and they, and they resolved it in the real, right? Mm -hmm. So I encourage people, if they feel stuck in the physical and the illusion, this is a big illusion, to go in and do it there. You have more power than you think. And that's what the controllers, they want you to not know any of this. They don't want you to know you have power or maybe they do, maybe they do. Maybe the big suppression is because they do. If we're all one, maybe that's the game. You know, I talk about that in a few videos. Like maybe if there's a twist, right? Maybe it's not so evil as we think. Maybe that's just because we're not doing it willingly. And so it has to get nasty <laughs> yeah. for us to be forced into doing it, right? You know, uh, I've worked personally with some folks uh, that became clients that were some from some of these very old bloodlines that, you know, people allude to on planet and, all I can say is no, it's intentional. Yeah. <laughs> it's intentional. Well, They're very cordial when you get to know them, but uh, you know, they're wired differently. They have no problem eliminating billions of people if that's what they think is the right thing to do. Um, but could you so could you say I know that you're you a Reiki real quick, Barrick, but could you say that what Amanda's kind of saying is that maybe on a higher level, universe puts them there oh, to, yeah. to be yeah. the catalyst to make sure that we get our act together or not. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't believe uh, just my own belief system. I don't think that was the original de design of the universe to have uh, planet earth, the school of hard knocks. I think we kind of made it that way. And then of course, everything becomes purposeful to whatever aim after that. Uh, what I want to ask you though, Amanda, I know you're a Reiki master and you mentioned Reiki and for some of our audience that maybe isn't familiar with that, can you give us a cliff notes? Well, uh, you can think of it as a frequency healing modality. I'm trained in multiples because I was so curious about it. I first began with training in something called magnified healing and it's working with the ascended master, uh, lady master Kuan Yin. So it's a, it's a, you call in Kuan Yin, you, request energy you fill it through your body you breathe it in and you so there's a lot of breath work um, you send it to yourself or another and then when you're done you uh, whatever excess energy you give to the earth so you give the earth the healing and i really could resonate with that because i 
I felt very compassionate about all creatures and all living, all life. And that, that satisfied that. But there wasn't, there was something missing. There was more I wanted to learn. And then I started to find out about these other types of tunings. And what was interesting is people would call me. I remember I had this call and this, this gentleman, I don't even know who, I never met him in person. He said, hi, I know who you are and I have a message for you. I'm like, okay. I have to attune you to this type of healing frequency called Shambhala 1024. And I'm like, what's that? It's like, it doesn't matter, <laughs> but I'm, if you're okay with it, may I attune you? And I'm like, okay, whatever. I get that. I was very, you know, free, free spirited. This was when I was like, maybe 22. And so he, we sat on the phone and he attuned me at a distance, which is typically not done, but I felt that. And it just opened me up just that one more notch. And he said it activated some level of latent DNA. And then I had another experience with a different type of Shambhala, which it was okay. But so I just kept seeking because I felt like I didn't have it. And then I went to India. Um, I went to India a few times, but this one time I went, this Reiki master, Usui based Reiki master, pulled me aside. He was teaching us Ayurvedic medicine. He pulled me aside. He said, Hey, you're different. I said, well, I'm a naturopath. These are all MDs. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, no, but you're, uh, you're, there's other different. I'm like, okay. And he said, I want to open your door to heaven. I want to give you all the Reiki codes right now. Are you okay with that? I'm like, okay, sure. So I'd have all these kinds of experiences of being attuned to it by different masters. Um, and then I had another experience in India, similar to that. It was a bit different, but so it's like it built something up and then I met Kevin Core of Angelic Reiki, and it's like I found the thing that just fit all the pieces together for me. I was attuned to the, all those different levels. I wanted, I was passionate about it. I started teaching it, and that um, solidified everything. So I sort of put all of the different modalities together. So what that means is, I'm in essence, I'm calling in angels or I'm calling in higher beings. So beings that have, all, they're actually humans that have come into their light bodies. Those are what angels are. So I call upon those individuals, only or have 100% pure light of love, to come in and actually step into my form and give whatever healing is required. It's none of my business. I'm just the vessel, I'm just holding space. I'm not doing anything but just allowing. And whatever that soul calls, whatever that soul needs, I will, uh, will be the host for it. I connect fields, I balance the whole chakra system, clean out the energy fields. There's a lot, people have, talk about people washing their hands with, you know, germ, you know, killing germs. They're the dirtiest, they have the dirtiest energy fields and chakras I've ever seen in my life. They know nothing about spiritual hygiene. They're spiritually filthy, okay? They never wash their fields. They never clean out their wheels. They don't even know, they don't even get it. So when I clear that stuff from people, they feel such a lift and a release because they probably never had that happen almost in their whole life. Or maybe they went to a festival and they laid on the earth and the earth cleansed them, you know, or they went into crystal clear waters and the waters cleansed them, right? Something like that. But they never had an experience directly where they're conscious and they're actually feeling those things. And they'll have different sensations in their body. They might get memories from someone that's either crossed over or just someone they haven't thought about in a while. We'll clear a lot of hook-ins. People get hooked in. Barbara, uh, Barbara uh, Brennan, Hands of Light, that book, she was amazing. She, she could see it. She was a full clairvoyant. She could see the fields and she'd 
write down and draw the pictures of what happened when you interact with another person and they're, they dump, you know how people can dump their crap on you. You felt good until they told you their sob story and all of a sudden they feel better and you feel heavy. And she actually documented that process, right? There's so much more we're just completely ignoring of, of what we are. So the Reiki essentially, there's Hands of Light, there's the book, love it. Yeah, I got that one. Can you, uh, I just have to say something real quick so the screen goes to me. So here's the book that Amanda is referring to there. Sorry to interrupt your flow, okay. but go ahead, continue. Yeah, there's the book and there's lots of beautiful pictures in it. It talks also, I saw an arrow. She, she, she has red arrows and things. When somebody's angry, there's a, sh a red arrow will shoot out of someone's head. And she saw that. And this was before I knew of this book. I witnessed clairvoyantly an arrow. I was in my anatomy lab. So we had, there was a corpse in front of us. We were, you know, dissecting <laughs> a human corpse. And this one girl in my naturopathic class, she was a little chirpy thing. She just kind of gets on your nerves, you know, like, oh, what about this? What about that? What about this? And the teacher, mm -hmm. It was a nasty thing. She was a nasty piece of something. She could not tolerate this chirpy thing. And I look up and I see this arrow, red arrow, come out of her head into her into her energy field. And I'm like, whoa! Wow. Did everybody else see that? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm just going to shut up now. But that was the first and I think only time I'd ever had a moment where I actually saw that. And uh, then I saw it in the book and I'm like, okay, all right. So that was like, I had a clairvoyant moment. It must've been all the formaldehyde or something. It was like, <laughs> it was like high. I'm glad, uh, boy, uh, dissection. I did it three times because uh, I went through three different core medical school curriculums and such a horrible experience. Um, you know, it's so wonderful. Just this, this conversation is amazing because, you know, I still talk to a lot of people that are in the holistic medical field and, and nobody really goes to the level of depth that, you know, where you're going. Uh, Quan Yin is one of our uh, favorites, uh, you know, and figures very prominently in Alpha Vedic Gardens here. You know, we have little meditation spots with Quan Yin and, you know, wherever you look. But Quan Yin is just uh, such an amazing... Um, uh, just blessing to our planet, you know, made her um, ascension centuries ago, but agreed to stay here until every member of humanity, uh, you know, made completed the same journey. And people just have no idea that these people that were just like us in embodiment and, you know, went, uh, you know, full circle uh, and became realized that, uh, you know, what they're doing to stay in this very uncomfortable realm in order to assist humanity. So, uh, you know, whether it's uh, my wife and myself, you know, she always kind of ran the operations at the clinic and so I could do my thing. But, uh, you know, before and after every day and after every session, we'd go in and, you know, call in these energies and, you know, do the clearing and just uh, always ask for guidance and always understood that we're, we're conduits. That's our job here is just to you know, allow them to work through us and, uh, you know, but you have to invite them in. And I think that's where humanity is at now is hopefully to the point where we can acknowledge this hierarchy of intelligence and request their presence because they can't impose their will upon us. They have to wait for the invite. So it's just so wonderful to have you take uh, the conversation in this realm. And then of course, in, in 
more conventional religions so look at this kind of topic as um, suspiciously luciferian and everything when in fact it's it's the exact opposite but i think we're starting to outgrow some of those notions as well yeah there's a lot a lot of conditioning away from this information because obviously they're going to indoctrinate people in religious cults to to think this is devil's work think reiki is devil's work or yoga is devil's work or all of the stuff they don't even understand the stuff they're being told they don't understand the allegories of the bible they don't understand what all of that stuff means it's all encoded for if you can't see it until you're enlightened enough to be responsible for the encodings you're not going to get the keys to the car if you don't know the th if you're five years old and you can't even reach the pedals or you'd, you would hurt yourself so it's like that with all of these uh these pieces of scripture and well lots of them have been rewritten and manipulated as well but i'm talking about <clears throat> some of the deeper texts and some of the information like i'm reading uh, George W. Carey right now uh, a lot and uh, also reading Victor Schauberger a lot right now that's where my mind is and I'm also studying some of the ancient giants I'm interested in that right now so I just kind of follow with where I'm interested in but there's one story I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite ascended masters is Dwal Kul and I always felt a really deep calling the, to the Tibetan people um, and I practiced Tibetan Buddhism formally for a couple of years with a monk. I lived in his backyard in a tent <laughs> and I took lessons every day because I wanted to understand why, like, what is this all about? And so I, I used, you know, Manjushri to cut my cords up in, of hook-ins and I used all of their methods and the bells and the spinning and the sound therapy was all sort of embedded in it. And so I, it helped me understand all that and what was happening. And then I, I went through, I was complete. I felt complete. I had learned what I had learned when I moved forward. But one, uh, during that period or soon after, I remember having, asking, because I'm, I'm a dreamer. I have a moon in Pisces. I dream like vividly. And I remember asking before I went to sleep if I could get a, uh, a teaching from Ascended Master Dual Cool, if I could get one. And that night I had Dual Cool come and I was in this room and he taught me how to levitate stones. He taught me how to um, uh, vibrate sand so that the sand structures would form shapes. So he let me play with that, play with a levitation technology of myself like through frequency and also bought certain bodily movements so when i would move my body a certain way it would create a certain frequency pattern and that frequency pattern then had a ripple effect and so i could could manipulate my reality by my movements so i remember all of the all of these teachings it was a very it was something i'll never forget now can i do that now no but <laughs> at least i have the understanding Are you principles and you also know and understand how they built the pyramids it wasn't with slaves dragging huge pieces of stone and seamlessly putting them together it's exactly how you described yeah, yeah that's so funny I, I actually had a dream not too long ago where um uh where i was it was back in egypt and there was uh, masses of people in egyptian attire doing this dance and there was, um, you know, all this geographical stuff happening and structures being built right in front of me. And it was like they were doing like a dance together, almost mm -hmm. looked like Qigong or something. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's fascinating stuff. And, and that was that like a dream or did that feel more like an out-of-body experience? Or what was your kind of experience when you um, when you're with that Ascended Master presence? Yeah, it's, it's a different energy. I've noticed there's at least four different dream 
uh, energies, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of them where I'm definitely relocated, like I'm somewhere. Mm -hmm. I feel like cognizant. I feel I'm, I'm in control of the dream. So I'm lucid dreaming, if you will. Uh, and I remember every par second of it. There's no memory lag. So sometimes if it's just a subconscious to conscious dream process, mm -hmm. it's, you know, I'm going from room to room or I'm trying to find something or just having a conversation with random people or whatever. That's a different flavor. It has a different signature to it. And oftentimes if you don't get up and immediately recall, you'll forget a lot of yeah. that. And then there's dreams that are prolific. I'll get prolific dreams. So I'll dream of uh, something that's about to happen. Uh, pro, uh, sorry, prophetic dreams is what I meant to say, prophetically. So I used to get that a lot as a child, which freaked me out. Because imagine you dream the whole next day, and then you get up and you start living that day that you yeah. just dreamt, like Groundhog Day, yep. and so you know what's going to happen next. So I get those types of dreams a lot. And then, and then there's visitation dreams. So I get visitations of people or things that are otherworldly. And those are a bit different as well. They're not really like teachings they're just like messages mm -hmm. and in those dreams are they lucid or you know you're in a dream typically it's different the sensation is um it's a little more dense and it's a little more foggy mm -hmm. than when i when i have like when i'm going somewhere and doing something specific it's very crisp and clear and that one is not quite as clear and like someone's talking it's like like it doesn't come through well mm -hmm. Like it's from another realm to your realm sort of feeling. So those are a bit different. Um, and then and then there's meditations and visualizations and meditations. So those are different. And then there's remote and viewing as well. Yeah. It's extremely valuable for people to understand how to program their dreams right before sleep. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, Ascended Master, you know, techniques to do that that are in the, the original green books in the St. Germain Foundation. Um, Dwal Cool, you know, my first introduction to him was through uh, the Seven Rays with Alice Bailey because yeah. she worked directly with, yeah. Um, and you mentioned astrology a little bit, and in here you understand how um, the Seven Rays should be the basis of uh, astrology the way they used to do it in Tibet, like if they were to pick the next Dalai Lama at birth, that sort of thing. It wasn't just simple astrology the way we do it today, but it was based on the seven rays. Um, mm -hmm. There's a whole uh, school that I got involved with uh, God years ago. And um, so for uh, even in our clinic, we do a seven ray chart on people to just kind of understand, you know, there's five different energetic bodies and then which ray is prominent in each one. And then it, you know, gave you further insight um, uh, as far as what forces were playing on the psyche and creating their biology. So all this stuff, uh, my only point is, is it's very practical. And the more we understand it, it's not woo-woo at all. And it, in fact, it, it becomes real science. And in contrast, what we learn, what you and I learned in school as science is actually the woo-woo stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's also the human design system, which I really like. Um, which, you know, embodies the astrology, the acupuncture points, you know, all the meridians are involved, like you've got, you know, the runes are involved in it. So it's, I like comprehensive systems like that, because <clears throat> it, what we're trying to understand is who we are, okay? We're trying to get to the, the base of like, why am I like this? It's really a, a reflection of the self. And 
what, what am I here to do? What's my purpose? Why am I the way I am? Am I doing the work? Am I doing the work on myself? Am I bringing, able to hold more light inside of me? If I continue to do that work, you should be able to shift your frequency. And as you shift the frequency, then you can hold more light and we can get to, that's what ascension is, right? We can get to the next levels of ourselves, of our soul growth and clear karma and balance out our accounts or whatever. But really we're, we're, it's not, we can't judge people where they're at because we all came from that. We all came from the soil and then we became the tree and then we became the animal and then we became the young human. And then we had generations and lifetimes of that where we got to now. So everyone got in the car and started driving towards the next city. And just because you got in the car behind me doesn't mean you're less than me. It just means you're, you're like an hour behind. That's it, right? And so that's why we, we, as we continue to bring more light in, we can have compassion. For people who are there who are stuck or who are still because we know we were at that place at some point as well and that's just part of the journey and there are many worlds within the world there's many uh, areas that you can create that are blissful in your own reality you don't have to subscribe to the narrative you don't have to bl blend yourself in with that paradigm you can have your own peaceful paradigm <clears throat> even if there's chaos outside excuse me <clears throat> right even if there's yep. there's a war going on if your frequency is up, it won't touch you the same way. It might affect you if you go out into it and you have to interface with it, but you'll have your protection. That's what I was saying earlier about that's your real safety through all of this, through all the things that they want to do and all the, all the culling of the herd and the genetic manipulation and all the yada yada stuff that they've been planning for ages. Anybody with any brain or any ability to research knows this is a long time coming. This is not news. <clears throat> this has been going on for ages, right? <clears throat> so here we are, but what do we do about it? How do we cope with this? Well, we have to now lift ourselves up. And that means we have to do the contemplation work. We have to own our kaka, as my spiritual teacher used to say. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Right? clears throat> and we have to transform it, transmute it, transform it, whatever. And we have to get unstuck from these belief systems of, oh, well, my God said this, or my book said this, or my priest said this. It's about you finding it within yourself rather than listening to any external authority at all. You become your own authority. And that's why I do it through the healing work because the healing work is saying that you're your own healer. <laughs> you don't need anybody else. You do, do it yourself. I'm just a guide to show you how to do that so that you have the skill set to do it. But once you have the skill set, you shouldn't need to come back to see me. You should be able to go, oh, you know what? I uh, ate poorly and I didn't exercise and I didn't drink enough water. So let me correct those things and maybe I'll do an enema and maybe I'll do a water fast and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll just change my diet to where it should be and I'll work on that healing of myself, right? And that's, that's what we're going to ascend into more and more, right? So while we're on the subject of solutions if time still allows i'd love to hear more about some of your wonderful creations here that are behind you and and i'm really interested in your salves and your dmso technology can you give us a little bit of a synopsis well i uncovered like rediscovered or whatever because a lot of these remedies are hidden of course um, dmso dimethyl sulfoxide came to me by sort of accident i heard about it in naturopathic college like a blip, like, oh, they use it in sports medicine in the end. Well, that was it. 
I'm like, well, I'm not going to go into sports medicine, so what do I care? And um, then I found it on a shelf in, an, in a, some sort of nature's emporium or some sort of natural store. I'm like, this is curious. I don't think I've played around with this stuff. I'm going to grab it and see whatever. And then I looked at it and said, I don't really need it. And I put it actually on my shelf in my store here <clears throat> to sell it. I was planning on selling it. I wasn't even going to use it. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even have the time. I was making stuff. I was creating stuff. I was collecting plants. I was having a good time with my daughter. And, uh, then I, uh, this gentleman came in and he had a mite infection on his arms, parasitical infection. And being who I am, unfortunately, I felt very compassionate <laughs> toward him and I empathically, uh, picked it up and I had the rash on my arms. <clears throat> excuse me, whether I had the actual mite or not is irrelevant, but I had the rash. And I looked at that on the shelf and I went, that looks really strong. I'm going to try it because I really want this to heal. And I know it does some sort of skin healing. And I put on a 90% of my arms and it burned like the dickens. And I was like, what is this? This is insane reaction. Like this is intense. So that began the research into DMSO. And wow did I find a gold mine of knowledge? I could not believe it. I, and I couldn't stop. I get like almost tunnel vision when I find something like that. And I just read all or original 50 studies. I just, just didn't sleep. I didn't eat. <laughs> I think I went, to, I went pee. <laughs> I just continually read everything I could on this topic, the history of it. I ordered some books. And then after I finished that, I went on YouTube and actually I went on Facebook and then I put it on YouTube and I did a video and I said, it's all called all about DMSO. It's one of my most popular videos that is out there. And it hit pretty hard because I was so passionate about it because I was so excited about it that it comes through in the video. I was like, I can't believe this is like this. Why don't people know about this? This is crazy. It can stop strokes and heart attacks. I mean, what, you know, it heals pain. It's transdermal. It, it, it's anti-inflammatory. It's better than an NSAID, a, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug way better than aspirin, right? It, it's like, it helps your blood. It helps with every condition known that we have. I mean, what is happening here, right? And that was a real eye-opening experience for me because I realized this was hardly talked about. I could find two companies selling it. It was just unbelievable. So once that happened, I started to fool around with it. And I used to, I would soak herbs in it and see what happened. I was um, making like face creams with it. So I, my most popular product is called facelift in a jar because it literally transforms your face. Like people age in reverse when they use it, they, they freak out because they can't believe it. <clears throat> and it's just high quality oils in a specific I'll blend. order some today. With DMSO, yeah. Like within a week of using it, you know, your crow's feeds are gone and uh, you know, your wrinkles are diminished and your and scar old scars heal and all this stuff. Right. And you're, skin tone improves and da, da 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 so so that was and that came from also my love of of chemistry and my love of alchemy and and how how to listen to when you're putting things together and obviously i did some study on it i read a lot about it and i tried to, you know, learned didactically and in left brain but then i applied it into my right brain and i applied it into the arts and how to how to make a synergy with something and perfect it and that's, that's one of the earlier remedies I made with DMSO. Started making eye drops. I started to make a pain creams uh, called this one peace cream. I have one for sleep. Like if you get pain at night, the sleep It's called good night dream cream. Uh, that's another blend. I make um, 
uh, an eczema cream that's extremely popular because eczema is just toxins being pushed out through the skin. And so instead of suppressing it with cortisol, you actually uh, pull it out. And so this remedy is designed with chickweed. Uh, chickweed specifically will help draw out the toxins under the skin and the calendula helps to heal the skin. So um, it's like 100% reporting of, of eczema being healed. And, and on and on. So I just kept developing things. I make a DMSO with magnesium spray, topical spray as well. And then a publishing company must have found my video, I guess. And they, so they asked me to write a book. So I did. I wrote a book called uh, Healing with DMSO. And it's, you know, very popular. And, and it's, a, it's a beginner guide. So it's not overwhelming. It's all science-backed. And it was really hard to do. I know you, your brain's probably like this too, Bear, but you know, it's like geeky, right? Because you had to read all these studies and you learned all this anatomy and physiology, all the lingo. And so when you write something scientific, that's automatic from all the different theses and papers that you've written through school. And so I, I did that and I submitted it and they're like, yeah, that's great, but can you write in like layman's terms? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I had to go back and, and it, that was so hard for me to do because that's just not how I write. And I had to simplify it and simplify it and simplify it and took forever. But that's, that's how, you know, healingwithdmso.com is that website for that book. And, and I'm happy that it happened. It's digestible. It's not something that's just going to sit on your shelf. It's going to be useful. I put recipes in there. There was no, I read all the DMSO books. I literally bought all of them with my advance. And uh, there was no DMSO book that had actual physical recipes for anybody to make. There was some for doctors. There were recipes for injectables, but you know, for doctors to do, but there weren't practical remedies and there wasn't um, just that understanding how to use it safely and in a generalized way. So that was pretty exciting that um, I'm still recovering my energy from that. <laughs> imagine single mom running a huge store, <laughs> build my own website, you know, and then have staff, I have shipping department, I have all those things going on. I make over 150 natural remedies myself. So there's that. Wow. And then I'm going to write a book. Okay. <laughs> so I burnt out pretty good from that, but I'm recovering. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Mike, so, are you still with us? Your connection's a little sketchy there. Can you hear yeah. me? Can hear I can you. Hear you. Okay, good. My computer is completely frozen, so oh, it no. still seems to be recording. though. so I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, it's I can't I have no control over my computer. So, um, but I'm glad it's still recording and we're still going, and you guys can hear me. So um, maybe this is a good time to start to wrap up the show. I apologize. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to blame Apple. I think um, we have to blame all the ascended masters we kept calling in. <laughs> They're like, get off this dirty electricity and get into some crystals and start using some, some uh, analog technology, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> we need to get there, right? We need to get to the point where we're interfacing with um, more psychically and more biologically natural ways where um, we can have that technology like they've shown, like Bear mentioned in the green books where uh, St. Germain takes um, the author into these places where they see all this amazing technology that isn't based on you know, this, these, uh, the simulacrum of, of, of the ones and twos that digital has done. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we, we could get there, then wow. I mean, everything we're talking about today, imagine if we lived in a reality that embraced all this understanding because that's the real sci-fi 
where we need to be going. And we're in these crystal cities where we have light, you know, healing all around us. And it's all designed that way to keep us in the right frequency. And we're literally teleporting and, and, and doing all this fun stuff. You know, it's just like, we can get there if we just have enough of us to realize how this is real stuff. And this is just like part of us and who we are and where we come from. And, um, you know, that's, it's amazing. The stories, it's one of some of my favorite stuff on this podcast is when we have people that are really out there doing it and having these experiences, because I think that's really powerful for people to hear, uh, hear, um, you know, stories of, of healing and stories of transcendence where you have these, um, you know, interactions with these higher entities or with, with helping people see their power within themselves. And so people listening, if this really resonates with you, um, you know, experiment with yourself, like start a dream journal, um, start, you know, for me, it's, I, you know, I occasionally use cannabis as a, as a healing modality, but one thing I've found is that it definitely affects my ability to have dreams. And um, one thing that I've found is by being sober and being really just like super in tune with your health, your dreams go crazy. And, um, and then it gets like where you're just almost not even sleeping, right? You're just like having these adventures all night. And I'm wondering if we can get to a place like Bear was saying where we can start going into it with intention into our dreams and healing ourselves, like going in and seeing where a problem might be and literally diving into that area of our body in like kind of a lucid state and just fixing it with our own energe- energetics inside a dream. And I know my dad's had experience with people that when he was studying psychology of, uh, of a, a professor who would go out of body and meet his patients and would go and they'd go on these adventures and he was kind of famous. I'm blanking out his name right now, but for healing people by literally going out of body and going into their, into their body and seeing where the problems were and fixing it. And so this may sound woo woo to people, but this all makes sense when you understand the true nature of physics and, and, and energy and everything. And I think the more we can go down this path and, the, and get away from allopathy and these traditional ideas of restriction, reductionism, man, what an exciting world this is going to be and can mm-hmm. be. And Edgar Casey was another famous, the sleeping prophet, right? Oh, he, would, love him. he would be able to go into the Akashic record and read pull down the book of that person and read what was going on with them and then report back to them. So, you know, there's so much that has been, uh, you know, covered over because I think it's a, it's like um, the excitement of finding these things. We, we like, um, we like to challenge ourselves to, to find it. And uh, so it's a treasure hunt. Think of it like that. I mean, things would happen to me when I was younger that I was not comfortable with. And so I shut off those functions. And one of them was remote viewing because I was very uncomfortable. I couldn't control it. And I would find out I'm in somebody's living room or kitchen or whatever, and I don't know why. But lately, I, I, I realized I'd been opening up again. And so I asked my higher self, I said, show me what to use this for, like, I'm not going to spy on people. So what, what would the other purpose of this be? And that night I had a remote viewing experience where I was shown somebody else reading a book. And so I read the book in my sleep and it was showing me about how nettles propagate and they like to be cut down to propagate further. And it was teaching me about nettles in this book. And I woke up going, Oh, okay. All right. So there's other things 
other pieces of information I can gain. I can read in my sleep. Who can, who, right? <laughs> I can get a PhD in my sleep, I guess, right? So, <laughs> so we haven't really it's, tapped into some of that. That's, it's information downloads, and we really don't have to um, sit down and memorize books and go to school. Information is just readily available. And for people that believe that remote viewing is a little far out, well, on I don't know, you tell me, Mike, but uh, I think in a couple weeks, we have a physicist who used to work with military intelligence, and uh, he was uh, uh, participated in the training of SEAL Team 1, and what he was helping the the military learn is how to teach the the Navy SEALs how to remote view. And so this, this is real stuff. It's used, uh, you know, in conventional circles in the military and they even teach it to soldiers. So, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing new here. Mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> you don't know it doesn't mean it's woo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I had a dream once where I wrote, directed an entire movie and in a dream and that seemed like a lifetime. And I woke up and it was just a dream. So it just also shows how time is irrelevant and how, you know, there's stories of people taking certain psychedelics or eating in a natural dream state and living in an entire life and then coming back. So it's just, um, it's really mind boggling. So, um, uh, well, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Uh, just checking. Can you guys still hear me? Yep. Okay, yeah. great. I'm writing dark here. Um, but uh, hey, this has been amazing, Amanda. And uh, we just, God, I'd love to have you back on. I feel like we could chat for hours on all this stuff. You really um, have uh, tapped into so many things here that we're connected to. And it really just is a great proving ground for what you know what a real healer is. And, and I even hate to use the word healer, as you were saying, but as a true practitioner of the art of of understanding who we are and what we are and what we can do and how we don't have to be reduced to things like atoms and molecules and, and with a thing that quote unquote modern science wants to do. And that really, there's so much more to it and it's really empowering. And I know people can often get caught in the fear traps right now of what's being told to us, how it's, you know, seems like such a dire situation with the way the world's going. Um, but really, as you were saying, it's just the dawn of the whole new kind of awareness and awakening that we can have. So just a great, so many great positives to take out of this. Um, any uh, final thoughts or uh, messages to the community listening to this? Well, just to, to realize that we are germs, like that is who, that's life. Like we are that. We have 10 times more bacterial cells in our bodies than our own cells. So we have to stop making the invisible our enemy. It's not an enemy. Germ is not an enemy. It's what we are. We eat it. It's literally on every surface in every place. And it's not there to make you sick. And if you can study a little bit about the false germ theory and understand a little bit of the history and how that lie became popularized for the, for the purposes of political maneuvering and wartime um, action rather than truth then you can start to unravel some of the mind control around this, uh, this grand hoax. Because that's just not how health works. Uh, if you support your terrain and you detox your body and you eat well, uh, then you don't need to go through detox reactions in the spring or the fall or any change of seasons or any type of uh, trigger. 
because you'll be ahead of the game. And that's all those colds and flus and symptoms are, is the body removing waste. And if you remove them ahead of time or you don't make them in the first place, you never, ever, ever will get a cold or a flu or any of that stuff. It just doesn't happen. So you can't catch it. There's nothing floating through the air ready to kill you. You are the germ and you make that germ yourself if you need to do repair work inside your body. And when that's done, you will exude it. It will come out. And that's how nature works. Nature will create bacteria to break down dead tissue. That's why when something dies, it starts to break down. Or that's why we have to preserve our food because it's dead and it will start to break down immediately. Okay. And there, so if you start to think like that, and you understand that there's, if you have infection, that means you have waste, you have dead tissue in the body. That's why it will make that. You don't want, why would you want to kill your helpers? You don't. So we have to stop poisoning ourselves, which will lead to the uh, mutation of our helpers. And then you have problems like MRSA, for example, staph infections that are unable to be suppressed anymore because they'll say, you can't keep suppressing us. <laughs> We're here to heal you. Stop it. Just stop. And you work with the body instead and you give it the nutrition so it can overcome the healing response, which is why the bacteria come at all into those areas. So that's the real takeaway because I'm really passionate about that. I've been teaching the false germ theory and the, the lie of the virus for three, three and a half years now. And uh, it just really, we, it's a reformation. We're in a revolution. We're in a time where we have to uh, uncover. We're in apocalypse, which means to reveal. So we're, we're seeing all the lies, we're seeing all the deceit, we're seeing all that stuff because we want to change it, right? And it's the same thing with the germ theory. It's false that the Koch's postulates do not hold. It is just not how disease and contagion works. And there's a lot on my channel, which is Yum Naturals Emporium. You can watch a lot of my videos where I try to teach this. Uh, my website, yummy.doctor, is where you can book me for consultations, but it also has my blogs and it also will have courses soon because I believe the real the real root of doctor is teacher and so we're here to teach you the information so that you can also envelop it into your life and be well with it and then spread that forward and that's what we're here to do as communities we're not meant to be isolated we're not meant to be physically distancing so be brave be bold take the mask off <laughs> remember who you are there's nothing to fear in the air, okay? And turn the t television off. So that's my, those are my final words. <laughs> <laughs> well said, couldn't, uh, couldn't improve on any of that if I tried. Uh, thank you so much for being here. And I'd love to do this again because I could talk to you for a long time. Absolutely. And uh, I'm gonna go to your site immediately and, uh, and shop. <laughs> so uh, I can't wait to do that. Great. Mike? Uh, yeah, thank you so much. And if you guys uh, uh, enjoyed this, please, um, uh, I'll have all the links in the show notes here. Um, this will go on YouTube at 5 p.m. today. Um, you can also always join us. We do this every Thursday at 10 a.m. on dlive.tv forward slash Alphavedic as a live stream. So you can join in on the chat there. And uh, of course, this will go out as an audio podcast everywhere too. So just go to alphavedic.com to find all those links. And thanks again, everybody, for joining us. And um, we look forward to uh, next week. Uh, and um, yeah, I uh, hopefully we can, <laughs> my computer is frozen, so we'll figure that out. But 
Hey, Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, we'll let you get back to your shop there and uh, have a beautiful rest of your day. And we look forward to once again, talking to you again. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Bear. It was really nice to meet you and, and talk face to face and have like a very high and intelligent conversation with you know people who understand this. It's very refreshing as you can, I'm sure you also feel that way when we live in a world that's very dulled down right now and just bursting to awaken. So uh, I appreciate the time very much and I look forward to uh, to meeting again. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, everybody get outside if you can, <laughs> you know, well, you should get outside, get your hands dirty, grow some food, uh, go on a hike. Um, nature really is the best medicine. Cheers.